0: Down, like, I like to go to the gym. The gym is a 15 minute drive for me because that's mm-hmm. the closest good life. The
1: way they make Magic City sound, you that's would that's think is as a big as a Walmart, right? And you walk into walking in and just like, Miles. word bro. It's-
2: Reclaim dead time. I ended
0: up, you know, signing on the dotted line for a property that cost 365 and I only had
1: 25K as my down payment, so. Hello and welcome to Lost Over Everything podcast. This is the podcast where we receive stories, tips, and tactics from entrepreneurs who have done it. Today, we have Royston Simon on the show. I said a full name this time. Royston Simon, this is you know so unlikely. It's very unlikely. Yes. You know, uh, but yeah, before we get into that, bro, school with you, man. How you doing?
2: Man, I'm doing great. You know, the thing is, man, NBA is back. Mm. I mean, catching a lot of the preseason games, and it just feels good to see the raps back on the floor. I've been, like, missing NBA basketball, so I'm excited. You know, the jackets are out now. You know, it's bundle up season, so I actually get to um, mix in my fits with different looks. It's time to bring my glasses out, you know, so I have different frames for different jackets. I just like being stylish, man, you know, so now is the time to look good because in the fall, I mean, the summer, I'm only rocking shorts and tees and everything, you know. There's so much you can do with that, but here I can wear different flannels, I can wear different pants, I can wear different trench coats. So, yeah, man, it's North Face season. And when North Face comes out, that's when basketball season's here. So you can even spell basketball season in the air, bro. It's mm-hmm. like a different uh, different taste. I feel you. <laughs> so,
1: so do you have a team you're rooting for? Of course. Bruh. Bruh. Outside of the Raptors.
2: <laughs> uh, man, I, my loyalty is up to the Raps. Gosh, there's, no, there's no, There's no, I'm rooting for that team. No. I know we're not going to contend this season, but we're such a competitive team that we might shock the league. My my bet is going to conference finals. Like if we get to conference or even conference semis, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Just getting past the first round and being like the the final four teams that's huge. So yeah. What about you, man? What's going on in the in the world?
1: Honestly, I do like it as fall too. I get to pull out the levy. You yes, know what I'm saying? I yes. love a good leather jacket. You know me. So you so know,
2: I never see you in shorts. Never, never really. Actually,
1: too. I have one pair of shows from Get Fresh. Shout out to Get Fresh. Shout out to Real bro come on, the, come on the show, bro.
2: Bro, I don't know how big your calves are. <laughs> I
1: have I have good calves. Have my good calves, calves? Are, are, are are slender, but they're powerful. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I pay soccer all my guy, life, right?
2: so I'm like I'm like I'm curious to see like how like the proportion of like like because you're always wearing black pants. I've never seen you wearing any other color pants
1: you wearing navy pants.
2: Navy, yeah. Elevates, elevate, oh, elevate. Yeah. and
1: you're like, bro, you're wearing slacks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah,
2: yeah. But yeah, man, how are the soccer shoes though?
1: Soccer shoes is good. Yeah, yeah. thank you. So, so Owen let me his soccer shoes because I'm uh, I'm about to play soccer, and you can't find soccer shoes anywhere right now. Yes. Once fall hits, ain't no more soccer. Man, all the soccer leagues are like, you know, everyone's like scooping them up. Yeah, exactly, you know? exactly. Well, for outdoor soccer shoes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I appreciate you lending me your, your, your cleats, bro. It's yeah. been good. I'm saucing my I on in the court. I got sauced as well. You got yeah. sauced, Bruh, It so, takes a
2: lot to admit you got
1: sauced. Listen, listen. When you when you're someone that sauces people, yeah. you can take a good saucing and you can respect you the good saucing. Respect
2: sausage. the thing. You're you know, like, what I'm you know saying? What? that guy got me, and it's just part of the back. game.
1: You know, it's funny. His name. His name is Alex too. He's Jamaican. <laughs> you know. And I was like, all right, cool. I can respect it. You know. I got so guys like I got hit with a bicycle. When the bicycle is when a guy flicks it from behind his body to over my body mm-hmm. and runs past me and still gets the ball back, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, if you can imagine that YouTube bicycle soccer move, if you if you want to see what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. this is to get how bad I got sauced. But listen, I, I be saucing guys all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm one of the guys in the court that they know when when I'm playing that like yo he's a good he's a good youth. Yeah, yeah you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yours so bossing the pitch most definitely, yeah. bro. But yeah, let's not waste too much time. Let's get to the business tip of the
2: week. Exactly, business. What you got?
1: The business tip of the week this week is actually a little bit more of a mental tip when it comes to um, running your business on social media. More so, a methodology. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've learned from running a marketing company is the fact that social media is run off two core principles: rewarding time on the app and rewarding good engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, so. What I want to instill in people's minds today is whether you're on TikTok, whether you're on Instagram, whether you're on YouTube, the name of the game is keeping people on the app longer, right? So, with that in mind, how are you doing that? How are you keeping more people on the app longer? If you're making a carousel and you have three slides out of the 10 slides off a carousel, then it's not going to be as much people on the platform for longer. Whereas if you have a 10 slide carousel, and most of the information is toward the ninth or 10th slide. More people are on that post for a long period of time. So there's, the algorithm will see that people are on that post for longer and will reward you with, more, with sharing it to more people. Yeah. So that's just a methodology that I wanted to instill in your minds. You know, with marketing, one of the things that I'm learning now and I'm applying is a hook rate and a hold rate. Mm-hmm. You know, with ads, you can track the amount of people who look at an ad for three seconds and the amount of people who look at an ad for 15 seconds. And what that is, is really just tracking how many people look at an ad for a certain amount of time and stay on the ad for a certain amount of time. So with that mentality, I'm now seeing that, all right, that's really the game, getting people on the platform for longer. So if you have a business that you're trying to market, tell a story, start off with a hook where you're telling people, hey, listen to this story, Mm -hmm. get them hooked in, Mm -hmm. and then deliver a message throughout that time period so once you pitch your brand, at the end of it, it's easier to get more eyes on it because they've been watching the story for a long period of time. This is one thing we actually realized ourselves mm-hmm. when we were creating content: the more cuts and the more we kept people on the post longer, the better it performed because we're yeah. keeping people on the post longer. Yeah, you know. So we have two to three clips that has gone viral on TikTok and on YouTube Shorts. Oh, mini-viral, you know what I'm saying? Yeah,
2: mini-viral to Mi- Mini-viral, you know what I'm thing. saying? Yeah, yeah.
1: 50,000 plus is like, ooh. That's
2: huge. Wow, that a lot of people like were like really rocking with that content.
1: Most definitely. You know? So with that in mind, what we realize is that when we have quick cuts, either a context piece or to uh, someone else talking about something useful, mm-hmm. it brings more rewards into the platform. Mm-hmm. So the the tip today is to focus on, one, storytelling. Getting people to stay on the platform for longer through storytelling and having more cuts throughout your content to keep people on the platform longer. The main methodology, people, is to keep people on the platform longer. So I mentioned two core methodologies. One is keeping people on the platform longer. And the next one is engagement. Mm -hmm. Having people like, comment, subscribe, or share Mm -hmm. is extremely important because the algorithm rewards content that's engaging yeah so those are the two P- core mess uh, let me say that again that's the two core methodologies when it comes to putting your brand online that could really help you get more visibility and get more sales mm-hmm. Grow your business you know what i'm saying absolutely
2: bro and also like the the sharp cuts it really activates someone's mind because they're like, oh, that starts again. Oh, so it's like, it's always a loop, and then finish. Like, uh, start, close, start, close, start, close. By the time they realize it, I need to get to the final conclusion to see how this video ends. Mm-hmm. Your engagement increases. Your watch time, okay, TikTok, IG. Oh, yeah, this guy finished it. Out of, like, 10 people that watched it, they finished it. Let me push to the next segment of audiences to see how they're going to rock with it. Same thing. And that's how you get that virality going because they keep pushing into different audiences and people with the same likes and interests. And um, you get a well-performing video.
1: Most definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a golf fan, dude, you know? But I realize that golf is going to do exceptionally well on social. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is a story gets opened up when you hit a ball. Yeah. Does that ball go into the hole? Mm-hmm. It's simple as that. But a simple story. But people want to see it go through. If you were to cut off that, that video clip, what someone hits it, you'd be like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Did it go in or did it not? Yeah. What happened?
2: Man, and also, like, on that golf, I posted uh, one of my golf clips. I was golfing at uh, the Four Seasons, and I had this putt that was, like, I said the title was, like, I got robbed for birdie. So the putt's going, and it takes a sharp turn to the left, and then it lips out. And then I said, is this a gimme? So what it did is, like, inside of the conversation, it was a seven-second clip. Someone has to see, like, is this a gimme? So they have to watch to the end to see if the ball actually how much of, like, the ball that it'd go in then lip out for it to be a gimme and it went crazy. I think, um, I'm not on my TikTok account, but I think it's like a 50K views now. Wow. It had like maybe 200 comments mm-hmm. but the golf niche uh, niche is very, very good for making content. Like for short form content, pure. I should make more but it's almost season's already
1: over. Most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so we're working towards wrapping up that, the, the segment. Once again, the methodology is two things. One, focus on, you know, keeping people on the platform longer And two, reward engagement. Mm -hmm. And that's business tip of the week.
2: Amazing stuff, bro. And yes, yes, you know what time it is, bro. Let's go. It's that time for the Hustle Nation. Everyone, it's Mr. Hustle Muscle ready to give you that Hustle Nation tip of the week. And I got a quick story for y'all, right? So the Hustle Nation tip of the week is reclaim dead time. Mm. So there's a young man named by uh, Cornelius Vanderbilt. A lot of you know Vanderbilt University. It's that family that were the most, one of the wealthiest families to ever live, right? So Cornelius's dad, he started a shipping company and he started working for the shipping company in like 1794. He was doing a lot of drudge work within the company, but one decision that made he made that really transformed his time at the company was like, one day I'm going to be owning my own shipping company as well. So by that decision, he started looking at his job and what he was doing from a day-to-day perspective as exciting and fun because this was a learning opportunity for him to actually see what he can do, what he can improve, and what he can actually do better when it's time for him to uh, start his own business. So he borrows $100 from his mom to start to buy a boat. So he's like transporting people back and forth, over and over. And um, by the time he turned 21, he paid back his, his mom the $100 and he had built a small fortune for himself. So by that moment, he realized like, you know what? It's better to be um, doing your own thing. And he actually had a famous quote that says, never be a minion, always be an owner, right? So the reason this is the business, uh, the hustle nation tip of the week is like a lot of us start our careers by working for somebody. And a lot of that is dead time. You're in a job, you're doing something that you might not like, but you're not really engaged because it's a means to an end. So if you really look at cumulatively your whole life, there's a lot of these hours which you're spending at a job doing something and just time is going back is going past you. You got to reclaim this dead time as an opportunity to learn. So when you're in these type of environments, you don't know what to do. You can actually do certain things to really ignite that feeling of you're actually owning that time because you got to use this opportunity <coughs> to further your own cause. So. What does that mean? So if you're working right now and it's something that it's not exciting, you can actually create your own little empires within your office or whatever team you're working on. So what does this look like? You can actually take on responsibilities, uh, propose new projects. What you want to do, you want to have domain over a certain part of your job so you can actually be um, committed. You can actually understand how decision-making works. You can actually feel alive each and every day because you actually own a part of like whatever you're doing. So we have to absorb as much information as possible whenever we're in this time, because we all want to be a boss. We all want to have that business that we own, but it takes a while to build up to get there. So this time that you're in these roles, you want to just create little things that you can actually have mastery over So whenever it is time to go do that next thing, you already have a wealth of information and you have a wealth of knowledge on how to delegate, how to lead, how to be a boss of a certain thing. So that skill is translatable. And lastly, when we're doing these things is you want to create moves or make moves that reflect your own individuality. So what does this mean? So whenever we're doing our own thing, it's easy for us to look around and want to copy what someone else is doing. For example, if you're in the content creation space, it's easy okay, you know what? They have this kind of lighting or they have this kind of thumbnail. Let me do that. I've been a victim of that. I've, I've tried to like create certain things, but what really matters is doing things that are really unique to you. And the crazy thing is, is that we are so different. Like our DNA, there's never going to be another Alex Whitfield. Apart from this, like the way you're designed and the way your interests, your uniqueness and your thoughts and ideas are completely different from anyone else because you are that person. So you got to tap into that. Whatever awkwardnesses you have, whatever quirks, whatever things you have, you got to own that. And the best person I think about that is Sean Brown. Like Sean Brown is like his own unique individual. Like he really is within that thing. So whenever you own this individuality you actually reinvent yourself. And the best person I can think about this is is Miles Davis. You know I'm a big jazz fan. Miles Davis actually transformed jazz because he was not really constraining himself towards the regular way of making jazz. He was trying different sounds, people were hating it, but the more he stuck with it, he actually revolutionized how jazz music sounds with the different harmonic sounds you play with certain trumpets and actually how you actually go about making jazz music. Another person, um, uh, John F. Kennedy, right? He ran his campaigns differently, better than um, Franklin D. Roosevelt. All these other political figures who came before him who ran campaigns, but uh, John F. Kennedy is like, no, I'm going to run a campaign this way. So if you look at all of John F. Kennedy's speeches, the way he moved, he's very charismatic. He was very... Um, He was like a man of the people, and that's why like he was such a big threat that he ended up actually being assassinated because Mm -hmm. he had a different way of viewing things. So to summarize everything is if you're in a space right now and you don't like where you're doing, you might be working at a retail job. You might be working at a like maybe data entry job, whatever it is that you see that this is like drudge work and it's just not exciting you. You know, switch your mentality around to see how can this benefit me in something I might do in the future? What am I seeing here? What are the skills I can learn? What I can pick up to apply to my own hustle, whatever that hustle is that can elevate your skills. And once you make that decision, you're going to start seeing that you actually own that time because you're seeing this as a as a platform to actually soak in all the knowledge to really take on to your next thing. So you don't end up looking back at, man, I wasted like four years of that dead end job. But maybe at year two, you're like, you know what? For the next two years, I'm going to learn this guy's position. I'm going to learn that position. I'm going to start these different projects. And these are different experiences you can actually use to elevate yourself. So that is a hustle nation tip of the week. Own your time. Don't think of anywhere you're at as dead time. Um, create little empires where you're at. That's like starting projects, initiating on different initiatives at work. And then, you know, own your own uniqueness, whatever it is, whatever things you're working on. Really tap in to what makes you unique, it might it might be a different way of making a video, whatever it is, just own that. And you'll actually see a lot of people admire that because you have the balls to actually be yourself and it gives other people confidence to actually be their best selves. So that's a Hustle Nation tip of the week. You guys are going to enjoy uh, Royston Simon here, definitely drops a lot of knowledge on real estate, mortgages, just overall life and he just brings vibes. You know what I'm saying with her? It was a good good conversation. A Great conversation.
1: Let's get into the show. All right. All right, and we're back. So what are some of the common mistakes you see people make with their mortgages?
0: Oh, man, there's a a huge list of things that people do incorrectly or maybe that they could improve when trying to get a qualification for their mortgage or even just buying a house. First and foremost, I think people are not taking getting a pre-approval seriously enough mm-hmm. and i speak from first-hand experience with same, that same. Shut up, jasmine. <laughs> that's what jasmine lee yo she that's was awesome, on our so asses for that she's like get so a pre-approval get to a free approval because she's actually the person who i saw her clip that led me to you guys' page that made me yeah. follow you guys so i was like she's spitting facts yeah so yeah your pre-approval is crucial and and i can speak from first-hand experience because we even when i got onto that pre-construction project and i you know i i ended up you know signing on the dotted line for a property that cost a 365 and i only had 25k as my down payment so i was trying to mortgage 340. Mm. and i had no clue if i could actually qualify for a mortgage of 340 or not based on my income based on my whole financial picture my financial situation right because as i said qualifying for a mortgage is going to consist of those four three things i mean those those four things and that'll determine whether you can qualify for that mortgage or, or more or less right mm. so it was a gamble that I was taking that I didn't even know about. So getting your pre-approval is pretty crucial. So you wanna to speak to either your mortgage professional or you know going to your bank to see how much you qualify for in the form of a mortgage so that you can say, okay, I qualify for this much in the form of a mortgage. I have this much as a down payment. This will be my ideal purchase price that I can make confidently when looking to buy a home. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing and that's the most important thing because the last thing you wanna do is go say, hey, I'm gonna buy this million dollar home. And you actually only qualify to make a purchase of 600k and you don't have any conditions to get out of that contract and now you're legally bound to this contract and if you don't fulfill it you can get sued you lose your deposit and it's just a whole downward spiral of just negative repercussions so mm-hmm. you want to make sure you're doing your proactive taking your proactive measures and making sure that you're buying within your budget that not only you can afford but also that your bank will allow
1: what do you think is like a minimum budget that like as a Toronto, you would need to just get in the market See that's such a that's such a loaded question. Just because, like me personally, that's why I don't live in Toronto.
0: Like mm-hmm. I live in Brantford for a reason. Like I see what it costs and what where your dollar goes in Toronto, and I'm just like I have no interest. Like I don't want to pay 800k for a condo.
2: Uh, so well, do do you feel like it's because you have a family now that you're like I want to live like a low key lifestyle? Because <laughs> look at where you're at in life now yeah. compared to like maybe like where Alex and I are at. Like mm-hmm. we're in our like mid to late twenties now, mm. we don't have a lot of responsibilities. Sure. I have a family, mm-hmm. so it makes sense for you to do this. Yeah. Exactly. Do you think if you're in our position, you'd argue for like maybe staying in T or, or maybe Saga?
0: You know. So two things about that. One, I love the fact that you said based on everyone's individual like personal preference, right? Like everyone's gonna have their own situation, their own preferences, the things that they kind of want to mm. do. that everyone has their own criteria, and I definitely think people should abide by that, right? Like what works for me might not work for you. Personally, I never had an affliction with, I don't, like we were talking about it coming up in the elevator, like, I don't like downtown Toronto. I'm not a fan of paying for parking everywhere I go. I don't really have, you know, the desire to bring my groceries up in an elevator. Like I just never really had an affliction for downtown Toronto and also condos, but that was just me personally, right? Mm-hmm. But I also just saw like your dollar goes further, the further out of Toronto you go. So whether it be Mississauga or Brampton, whether it be Hamilton, whether it be somewhere else, I was always kind of like, I'd rather get better bang for my buck and go for a home, a house, and more actual house as opposed to going for essentially smaller properties mm-hmm. just to be at the core of a city. I don't really, I'm not yeah. that in love with being in Toronto. But it's funny, I, I bought the house that I have now that was a townhouse that wasn't a condo. When I was 26, I didn't have a kid. I didn't have a serious partner at that time. Like, and it, this is it, in it was just me. That was Brantford. Okay. yeah. So I was always kind of married to the idea of just being in somewhere that is maybe further away from the city because I don't mind the drive mm-hmm. and getting more bang for my buck in my house, as opposed to being at the core of a city and essentially getting a smaller property. Mm-hmm. But that's, everyone's going to have their own personal, you know. Yeah. You know, it's that.
2: hard to tell like a guy who loves, like, for example, like me right now, moving to Brantford and yeah, like it wouldn't work. being like just by myself. Yeah. I'm like, yo, what are you doing? Yeah. Even, even my mom would get it. But like, Yo, Brantford, not even Mississauga.
0: Yeah, it, it's, you got to go where you can afford to, right? True. that's true. Because I, I would love to be in Mississauga mm-hmm. or be in Brampton as well, too. But the prices versus the Best. price differences is pretty, it's pretty, it's marginal. Like, it's, yeah. it's pretty big, right? So, outside of pricing, mm-hmm. what's it like being black in Brantford? Man, that is not a fun, it's not. And that's one of the, that's other things you got to really factor into your decision that's as well,
2: true. too. Yeah.
0: When I made that decision, I didn't really know much about the demographic in Brantford. And that's definitely something that I'm just like, I don't like it. Mm
2: -hmm. But do you get like, do you get looks like it's like, oh, who's that guy? It's not
0: bad looks, but I get people coming up. Like I had a guy come up to me the other day at the grocery store and he's like, would you have interest, you know, joining a basketball league? And I'm like, yeah, I would love to, <laughs> but I'm just like, what led you to ask me that? <laughs> I hate that shit. Let's unpack that. Let's for unpack that. You know what I mean? Why, why
2: not baseball yeah, or nothing like why that? Why not
0: your hockey league? You yeah. Know I mean? yeah. Why not soccer? And or why golf. not? And not even that. Why me out of everyone in this store did you come to me? Yeah. Is it because I'm the tall black guy? You're and, tall black the guy. You know? right now? So it's cool. And I and I think it's also like I don't really do much in Brandford, so I don't really have to face those interactions as much because like I work from home. I have my son he's at home with me too Mm -hmm. i if i do have to go out and i do kind of interact i still have all my friends here i'll take the drive like i said so i don't really do much in brantford but you know that's just one of the things that i kind of just you know took on the chin i was just Mm -hmm. i was willing to sacrifice and compromise on yeah one thing that i will say does kind of suck about you know being that far out as well too is just like for example like i like to go to the gym the gym is a 15 minute drive for me because that's Mm -hmm. the closest good life whereas when i lived in brampton with my mom like there was like three bra- three good lives I could choose from and they're all like within like a 10 minute radius or, mm-hmm. or less. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, when you're going to these places that are outside of, you know, the core of a city, you're going to have <laughs> less accessibility to certain things. And yeah. that's just something you got to also factor in as well too. But when I factor in paying, you know, what I pay now versus, you know, having to pay like eight, nine or a million, uh, 800 or 900 or a million dollars for a property, it's just like, well, this is where I'm at and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's a fact. So let's talk about the, the triplex, mm-hmm. you know, like walk us through acquiring that property. Ah, uh, that property as well. That, so that was, that was a really good learning lesson. I'm um, just trying to figure out how to run numbers on a property because that what was, numbers? Like, so, so running numbers. Example? So when you're, when you're investing in a property and you're doing real estate investing, you got to figure out well, what am I investing for exactly? Am I mm-hmm. investing for cash flow? Am I investing for appreciation? What are, what are you really in this for? So I was definitely focusing more on cash flow because with my first property in Brantford, I was like, okay, I I ended up renting it out and I had a tenant that was paying 2,100 and my mortgage was 1,700 and I was like, okay, I'm making 400 bucks on paper, Mm -hmm. but I also was new to the game. So I was like, okay, I didn't factor in my property taxes. I didn't factor in maintenance. I didn't factor in utilities because I didn't put that in the contract as well too. So when I ended up taking his rent every month, paying my mortgage, paying the utilities, paying the property tax, I was kinda of actually out of pocket like a hundred bucks every month, mm-hmm. which was cool in the long run because the property was still appreciating mm-hmm. and I didn't have to, you know, face the actual burden of the full mortgage every month and then also